0: Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is the Joe Martino Show. And today we are going to talk about men's mental health. This is going to be part three of what's now a part four series because, well, I ran out of time, to be honest with you. And I didn't get to everything that I wanted to get to. How do we as a society treat young men, so boys, what's the message we send them? And then what does that create in their mental and emotional health as adults? That's today's topic. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, good morning, welcome back. I hope that your day is going well. Wherever your day is going, I hope that it is going well. And if it is evening, wherever you're listening to this, or midnight, I had a guy write in one time, he told me, he said he thinks it's funny that I say good morning as often as I do, because he is typically listening... Uh, around 11 p.m. So to hit, to you, sir, I say good night or good evening, whichever you prefer in the culture that you come from. Today, we're going to talk about men's mental health. We're on part three. I was hoping to get this done in three parts. I actually don't think that's going to happen. If you want to catch up first and kind of be where we've been, uh, you need to go to episode 254. Let's have a candid conversation about men's mental health I will not really rehash that here, but I will say that's kind of my introduction. Been listening to a song by a man named Dax called To Be a Man. Uh, Darius Rucker also sings it with him. And um, those episodes, or, or that song, was coming up in my reels. And so I started to talk about it. I started to have a lot of more conversations with men. Then last week, I talked about so this is episode 255. I talked about men's responsibility to advocate for their own mental health. What are their responsibilities in order to take care of their own mental health? And so that was something that we talked about last week, something that we talked about with some level of of vigor that I hope, uh, you know, men, I hope you're taking that serious because at the end of the day, it is our responsibility. We are responsible for our own mental and emotional health, and we need to pursue good mental and emotional health. And I do fear that that is something that is being lost in our society, the personal you know, responsibility. Today, we're going to talk about what happens to boys that affects their mental health as men. I was hoping to be able to kind of have this like just society thing. I have often said that I believe change happens on three levels. First of all, you have to decide where you are. That's X. You have to decide where you want to go. That's Y. You have to decide by when. That's Z. So X to Y by Z, right? That's that's kind of, okay, this is the change that I want to have. Then you have to decide what are those necessary behaviors that I need to engage in to go from X to Y by Z. And that is today's, or excuse me, that was last week's episode. Men, we need to be emotionally and mentally responsible. Uh, we need to be physically responsible for our own mental and emotional health. This week and probably next week, is the systemic changes that you need to make in order to actually have good mental and emotional health for men. In other words, change happens once you decide where you're going by when, then what do you need to do to get there? But then often we have to consider the systemic changes that help us get there. If you wanna go all the way back in the archives, episode 002, the very second episode that I ever did, discusses those principles. All right, so today, let's talk about how we raise boys. I mentioned last week, and I got some emails about this, or maybe not last week, two weeks ago now, I mentioned in the opening conversation about this that there's this thing called emotional incest. And people lost their minds. People just lost their minds because emotional incest, that's a very provocative word. I agree, it is provocative. That's one of the reasons I use it. But it also, like, based on the definition of the word, fits. We have to change how we're raising boys because the conversation that I'm having with men again and again and again is, what does it mean to be a boy? And here's what happens. We tell them not to be too engaged. We tell them not to be too rambunctious. We're making childhood longer. We're elongating adolescence. And as we do that, we're actually devaluing adulthood. And we're telling them that adventure is really only safe on a screen while simultaneously lamenting screens. Just, just recently, my brother sent me a meme about how, where did all the kids go who used to go around and make money shoveling driveways. And that was something he and I did as kids. We lived next to a trailer uh, community. And so there was multiple homes that, that had driveways. And we would go, I have no idea, probably 100 homes. I have no idea. That would be an interesting thing for me to go back, nostalgia for me. But we would go and we would just take our shovels. We'd leave early in the morning. And we would, we would just go and show up at doors and be like, Hi, can we... Shovel your driveway for like five bucks or ten bucks or something, and you know, then we'd move on. And of course, the thing said this existed before video games. I actually don't think it has anything to do with video games, it has to do with our obsession with safety because we could have gotten kidnapped. If my parents let me do that today, someone would call in and say to CPS and be like, Hey, I'm not sure that Bill and Anna are are being safe with their children. Their children might be in danger. I want to make sure they're not being trafficked. And when I say that, immediately people get mad and they're like, well, isn't it better to be safe than sorry? I don't know because we're sorry on another side here. Because now we're not actually teaching kids, especially boys, to embrace the physicality of their genetics. We're not. We basically tell them have adventure on a sports field or in a video game. Don't have adventure anywhere else. And so that is a problem. We have to encourage them to embrace some level of danger. You've probably heard it said, let your kids do dangerous things safely. But even more than than pushing away from not letting our kids do dangerous things, we're almost making it impossible for them to fail. And so what happens if you've never failed in your life and now you're married or now you're dating? In fact, the truth is more and more people are putting off dating and marriage, more and more boys. They're doing the physical side of it. And I'm trying to keep this clean for uh, anybody who might be listening with their kids in the car, right? So, but they try to, they still engage in the physical benefits of relationship. I I hesitate to use that word, but they don't actually engage in relationship because we don't typically push kids to engage responsibility. We make it impossible for them to fail. Kids are waiting longer and longer and longer to get their driver's license. Why? Because it's the first time they can fail that their parents can't fix it and they have to be responsible for their own behavior. And I do think that there are two reasons that we do this. One is the emotional payoff that we seek or, or this, and, I, and this is typically when it comes to boys is typically more moms. Right there there are two reasons. One is that emotional payoff. Uh, the outcomes w- when two parents are not involved in a kid's life are pretty bad and and we know this even down to like higher risk for physical illnesses as an adult. And One of the things is we have politicized this conversation so we can no longer talk about it. And we have to because men are dying three and a half times more likely to die by suicide. We're losing lives. Mark Twain famously said, most men die at 27. We just bury them at 72. And what we're doing is we're trying to anesthetize that through these video games and sports and all of that. So I think the first thing is the emotional payoff for the parent of the emotional benefit that they get from their child being dependent upon them. I think the other one is a little bit more altruistic. We just don't want to see the kids struggle, right? You, You don't, I get it. I have four kids. You don't want to see your kid struggle. You don't want to see your kid go through hard things. But the problem is it's going through hard things that actually helps us to become tougher. It's going through hard things that actually helps us to be more resilient. And so we have to allow our young boys and teenage boys to go through hard things in order to be adults who know how to go through hard things. We have to normalize hard things. We actually live almost antithetical to one of the most common philosophies I hear from people. Well, life's hard and yet they try to make it easier. They try to make it when it's hard go away. And I get, we want to make it easier, right? Like like we're using electricity to heat this office right here that I'm in while I'm recording. We're using that rather than a wood stove. I'm not splitting wood to take to work and all of that. I drove to work. I didn't walk. In fact, I wouldn't be able to work here if I had to walk. It's too too many miles. By the time I got here, it would be time to go home. But what do you do when life gets hard? How do you teach your children... Especially young boys to embrace that because here's what happens by nature there is a different response. My wife's reading a book uh, on teenagers and and we've been discussing it and she talked about a study they did where they say they had kids write an essay and the kids were told that their peers were going to grade it if they and whoever actually an adult graded it and the grader went really hard after the anything that was written they went really hard after. Well, so what happens is. Then they tell the kids, look, if you don't like what the person who graded your paper gave you, you can give them hot sauce. And the girls, if they thought they were actually going to meet the grader, gave less hot sauce than if they didn't think they were going to meet the, the grader. In other words, if they thought there were going to be consequences, potential discomfort, they walked away from it or they, they dialed it down. It's probably a, a better act, more accurate statement. But the boys, by and large, didn't care. They just loaded the hot sauce up. They didn't care if they were meeting the person or not. And what happens is we tend to push boys like, well, are you sure you want to do that? Are you right? We, we tend to constantly teach them to rethink themselves from the time they're little. They climb up on the couch. Be careful. They go outside to play. Be careful. They climb a tree. Don't do that. They swing and jump off the swing, which who am I kidding The kids don't do that anymore. But let's just pretend. Be careful. And we start to teach them to second guess themselves from the youngest age possible. And what happens? We're living antithetical to the very philosophy that we have, which is, hey, life's an adventure. And then we wonder why we're elongating adolescence, why we're not valuing adulthood, why people don't want to launch is is the saying. We get caught in power struggles rather than teaching our kids. We need to teach them emotions. We need to teach them how to handle them. And we need to embrace that, by and large, boys are more rambunctious. Boys move more most adhd diagnoses are for which gender boys why because as a society we do not value certain characteristics of boys and we need to decide why why is it bad that they want to move to learn i was talking to friends of mine people i know really and they were talking about education and they were talking about how unfair private schools have it when it comes to educational outcomes And so this is something that I'm always interested in. I'm always interested in how we teach our kids, Uh, teachers and school administrators. I I support them and I have a problem with the system. I I don't think it's either or. I think it can be both and. I think the system needs to change. And so I, I, I engaged the conversation. I wanted to know, what are you talking about? Like, talk to me about this. And I was thinking they were going to talk about money, right? I live in a town, in an area where private schools are really expensive and private schools are typically staffed by very well-resourced students and under-resourced students who are good at athletics. That, that's a lot of the, the private religious schools in my area. I come from a background of coaching and teaching uh, where there was a private school. There was I actually coached and taught at both private and public schools. And one of the pri- private schools that I coached and taught at, there was other private schools in the area that were very well resourced and some that weren't. And so I really thought it was going to be about that. And I wanted to talk about that because I wanted to see what you talking about. No, 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 no. It wasn't that. It wasn't resources. It was actually, you know what? Can I have a drum roll to tell you what the the problem was? Because it blows my mind that somebody would actually say this. Let me set it up. The advantage, the unfair advantage of private education was Recess. The unfair advantage of private education for boys was recess. Private schools, evidently, according to the research that they were quoting, which I will be honest with you, I have not done it. But these people were were pretty adamant that it was accurate. So I've not gone and vetted it. But there they were saying the research that they read says that most private schools, they have three to four recesses a day. And amongst private schools that don't have three to four recesses, the outcomes are relatively similar to state-funded schools. Now, why don't they have recess? Because we've politicized education and the outcomes for mental and emotional health of our students is bad. The learning outcomes are bad. And why does this matter to our conversation? Because those young boys and young men are growing up to become men and they don't know what it means anymore because we have politicized teaching. We have told them the overarching message that men share with me, that they have been told is that most of the things that come naturally to them are either worthy of being mocked and or need to be taken away. Don't let anybody down, but don't be too aggressive. Don't be too rambunctious. Sit here for eight hours. In fact, why can't you be like girls? And I know there are people get mad and they say they, that I'm overstating it, but I'm not. Oh, he has ADHD. He's so ADHD. And we're drugging kids to the point where they're, they're just... Nah. And I know that this is a frustration... But you take that and then you couple it with the other thing that we talked about. We don't make our kids do hard things. We have 18-year-olds that are terrified to call the doctor. We have 17-year-olds that are terrified to call the doctor. One of my daughters, one of, her one, one of her chores is to feed the animals, the barn animals. And she actually really enjoys feeding the animals, but she's afraid to go in the barn by herself. And I would tell her, I'm sorry, you're going to have to do it. Here's what you do if an animal acts aggressive. Here's the posture you take with your body so that you can help the animal realize that you're the one in charge. And I let her live in that distress until she did it. And not too far, not too long ago, she's like, dad, guess what? And she told me about how she overcame it because I'm not, and I realize she's my daughter, not my son, but I, here's the thing. I'm not raising her at this age. I'm raising her to be an adult. Who's going to have to do things that she's afraid of to achieve the things that she wants to achieve. And when you can't do that, or you don't know how to do that because you've not practiced it the mental and emotional outcomes are pretty bad. And so when you couple these two things, the overarching message to boys is, well, anything that you do naturally, you shouldn't be doing. And then we also tell them, don't let anybody down. Don't be too aggressive, but be aggressive enough. You're responsible because men in the 1950s were chauvinist pigs. That's illogical. You're responsible because of the patriarchy that existed, blah, 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 blah. That's illogical. And what happens is the the other thing that we do is we teach men to be, while they're boys, we teach them to be dependent upon their moms. And then they find a girl that they're dating and they are dependent on her. Rather than being a co-equal partner with her, they operate dependent upon her. One of my daughters is dating a boy pretty seriously and she was talking about his schedule. And I said, I just want you to be careful because I don't want you to be responsible for his schedule because that'll work right now while you're in college, but it won't work when you're an adult with kids. But the flip side of it is, we teach these boys to be dependent upon their mamas, and look, I'm a self-proclaimed mama's boy, but I wasn't dependent upon her. And I was, I probably, had the, certainly, not probably, I had some things I had to grow up out of. And then they get married, and suddenly their wife is frustrated with them because they're hyper-dependent upon her when they have kids, Well, but wait, that worked when you were dating, and and that's the other thing. We tend to change the rules. Guys kind of figure it out, and then we change the rules. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about how there has to be a win, but think about how we're raising boys, and do we wonder why there's such a problem with men's mental and emotional health? I don't understand how we can, how we can look at what we're doing and be shocked that we have issues with how men find their mental and emotional health, because I'm going to ask the same question every week. How, what's it mean to be a man in 2024? How are men supposed to find their value in society? Can a man do masculine things and still be a good guy? Can he go hunting? Can he go fishing? Can he read books? Can he do dishes? Why do we bifurcate them? Why do we live by either or's thinking with boys? Why do we want our boys to be dependent on their mamas? And then we get mad at them when they grow up to be not independent men. Why is it okay To constantly tell them things that they are born with are not okay. Why is the overarching message? The things that come naturally to you are the things that you need. Those are the things that are messed up. You need to change them. And it's not just one guy or two guys. I get it. Some of it is the security that we talk. I don't want my kids to go through hard things. So when they go engage on something, my natural proclivity is to be like, oh, wait, did you think about this? I sent my daughter a text this morning. Hey, the further into Grand Rapids you drive, the worse the road gets. Please be cautious. Please be safe. My son doesn't drive yet, so that's, but I can imagine the same thing. I got rid of my motorcycle in part because I didn't want my son to get one later and look at me and be like, well, Dad, you have a motorcycle. And I know that they are going to be like, well, that's dumb. I, I don't necessarily disagree, and then obviously I do disagree at some level. I had other reasons to get rid of it. My daughter needed a car, and I needed the cash for the car, so that worked well. But if we truly want to go after this issue of men's mental and emotional health, we have to go after how we're treating boys, It's okay for boys to be rambunctious. It's okay for boys to wrestle. In fact, it's actually good. It's okay for boys to be boys. And I know that that phrase, boys will be boys, was used to really okay some really bad things. But now I'm afraid we've gone so far the other way. A society out of balance rarely finds new balance right away. A lot of times what happens is is they end up going to the other extreme. And I'm afraid that's where we're at now. Because here's the thing: almost all of the things that cause men issues as adults, I can find roots of it in their childhood. And I don't care how much the conservative pundits are currently mocking that. I could probably find some things in their childhood. Candace Owens, Charlie Kirk, I'm talking to you. Would love to hear from you. All right, that's today's episode. Like I said, I knew I was going to run out of time to actually talk about okay, what what are things that we how we how do we engage men in their current cultural context. How do we engage men as adults? Because we need to change that. It's okay if we use the term toxic masculinity, but we better have a better definition for it than, than just things we don't like. Oh, that's toxic masculinity. Okay, let's slow down there. Let's slow that roll. All right, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.